Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. My name is Jake Smith, and welcome to another Conversation in the Cloud podcast. I'd like to Welcome a dear friend of mine, Michael Hall, Director of Server Technology and Ecosystem Enabling. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Now, Michael, our listeners don't know this, but there's a little known fact between the two of us, and that's that you and I went to high school together. So we've known each other for a very long time, and we won't tell our listeners how long, but it's a long time, folks. And you still put up with me. And I still put up with you, Michael. You're too good not to. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your journey has been like at Intel, and what you do today? Sure. My current job is I'm a director of technology and ecosystem enabling, as you mentioned. And so what that entails is looking at the next three to five years and what technologies are going to be coming out in the industry and what technologies our CPUs and our platforms are going to be needing to be successful in the industry and then working with industry partners to make that a reality. So trying to make sure that things are ready to go by the time we launch a platform. You know, I started in Intel quite a few years ago in the, I think I'm in the 23 or 24 year range, but it's been an entertaining ride. I starting in technical marketing and moving forward through silicon application engineering and dealing with our customers both domestically and internationally has been quite an experience. Intel's a great place to work in that regard where you get a lot of good experiences across the world to both learn technologies and then understand the cultures and the people that are trying to make those technologies a reality for the rest of the world. You talk about the technologies we work on. So very specifically, can you talk a little bit about the impact of PCIe and Compute Express Link on the Intel Xeon platform? So PCIe is a standard done by the PCI SIG, which is basically think about how you get traffic inside the platform in and out of different devices and so how those devices communicate with each other inside the computer. So it works very well from a shared bus technology. Compute Express Link is built on top of that technology. It uses the same electricals, but the idea is that we're trying to change a little bit of how the devices can talk and share memory and share their caches across each other so that it becomes a lower latency use of that same type of technology, that IO technology. I think that it's a game changer from a standpoint of what we've seen in the industry as far as lower latencies and the need for devices to have direct access to either system memory or the system to have direct access to the device memory. We're able to transfer information significantly faster, and it allows things like accelerators to take advantage of all the processing power that the system has to offer and make a better product for our customers, honestly. Each and every time we introduce a new standard, we're challenged by compatibility and verifying that it works. Michael, can you go into more depth about the process that you and your team go through each and every generation to work with our OEMs to ensure the compatibility of their platforms? We do a couple of different things. It starts out very early in the process. As I mentioned, we're looking you know, three to five years out into the future. And so we start with evaluating our third-party vendors and understanding what their technology needs are and where they're moving, where our customers are needing us both to go. And then as partners, we look through to say, how do we make sure that our joint products are going to work well together for our customers. And so by doing that evaluation very early on, we can start to identify 
certain technologies like either the next generation of PCIe or whatever's coming up from a CXL perspective and say, hey, we need to start making sure that our products are going to work well together. So our first step is to take those devices from those vendors and bring them into our labs and do a lot of interoperability testing to kind of ferret out any issues that may be happening either within the specification, within the bus itself, or our interpretation of the specification. So from a CPU perspective, we may interpret the specification one way and an endpoint vendor may interpret it slightly differently. So we want to make sure that we're both understanding the spec in the same way, that our products work really well together. And then by the time we both start shipping these things to our customers, we want them to have a good positive experience. They can plug in a third-party vendor's card into a platform that they've designed with our CPU and have it work well together. We provide a number of different test opportunities for them, both internal and externally. So we may provide a test suite to OEMs and customers and say, here's a number of different ways you can test these devices to make sure that your interoperability is working well together. But then what we do is we have these workshops that we do per platform basis or per technology basis. And so we'll bring in a number of different customers simultaneously into our labs. And then we'll have a number of different test vendors come into our labs. And then we'll try and put all of those pieces together so that way you have the customer there, the endpoint vendor there, and the experts from Intel all in the same place at the same time to do a number of tests. And we'll spend a week or two just running through all the different tests on a particular platform to try and make sure that those things are working well together and that the platforms are healthy and ready for launch. We do this a couple of different times during the platform life cycle. So very early on after we first power on our devices, we will initially start targeting some OEMs, very specific OEMs to say, hey, we understand you guys are running ahead of the pack. Let's make sure that your BIOSes are set up properly and your platforms are healthy. So we'll do a lot of testing there. And we don't expect to see 100% pass rate, right? We understand that things are going to be challenged in the very beginning as people start learning these new technologies and learning how to implement them. That's why we do these workshops, to try and make sure that everyone is healthy as quickly as possible. We'll then do a similar workshop closer to launch. The idea being there is that we expect to have platforms much more healthy at that point, but we're there to check all of their different technologies that they have on the platforms. And we have these interoperability pieces with the third-party vendors at the same time that some of these OEMs may not have access to all of those same third-party vendors at the same time. The last piece that we do is somewhere in the middle there, we may do some very specific technology-focused workshops where we'll bring in very specific technologies like PCIe, and we'll say we're going to focus an entire week or two on just that technology. And the goal there is to make sure our customers' platforms are extremely well-designed and very healthy so that when they get towards launch, they don't have any customer field issues on their end. So, you know, it's something that's very interesting. Most people don't understand the amount of compatibility work that we're doing because these are both customers, partners, and even sometimes competitors who we're more than happy to work with. So what is the importance of industry standards, Michael? Why does that make life easier for customers? And why should customers care? I think that it provides a lot of use for them, actually. So the key thing there with an industry standard is you have everybody working off the same playbook. So the idea being that if you have something that's proprietary, a customer would have to design a single platform for a particular interface that only one CPU or only one endpoint vendor might be able to use. 
that becomes a very narrow focus platform. And it's hard for them to sell those in quantity unless it's an extremely compelling design. The idea of having an industry standard is you have a number of different experts across the industry, not just at one particular company, but a number of different experts across the industry looking at those specifications, making them better, getting the best knowledge from everybody and putting together what they believe to be the best use of the technology. So, for instance, on an I.O. perspective, you have the PCI SIG, which generation over generation has continued to evolve the specification. They listen to their members. They listen to the uh, customers that are using these technologies, and they continually evolve the spec. But you have both customers and you have vendors and you have suppliers all coming together to develop that. And so I think the main expertise that you bring to that allows a specification to become much higher quality, for instance, than you would have just having one particular company that goes off and designs a particular spec. I think the other piece, too, that you look at when you have industry standards is the interoperability piece is huge. So having a number of different customers working off the same specification allows you to have a much better user experience for the end user. When they plug in a device, it's going to work. And that's the main goal of having both interoperability testing, a standardized way of doing that testing, and having those industry standard specifications. You know, Intel's got a sort of wide breadth and history behind these standards, Michael, but, you know, there's more to these standards than that. Talk about the work that you do, not only before the standard is released, but once it's actually out there and active, because your team does a lot of post-engineering work as well. So can you talk about that and why it's so important to keep optimizing the protocol stack long after it's been released? Sure. Some of these devices, if you think about it, some of the platforms themselves have extremely long life cycles. And especially when you look in like the automotive world or some of the industrial world, right? They tend to have platforms that will run for, you know, sometimes seven to 15 years, somewhere in that vicinity of some of these platforms. However, during that time, they may have to upgrade certain aspects of it. So for instance, maybe the ethernet portion of that platform, they want it to go faster. They want to be able to connect faster, but the main system itself doesn't need to be changed. Having an industry standard that they've been working off of, like PCIe or CXL, allows them to upgrade components over time. There's a lot of backward compatibility that goes into these devices. So you may have a newer device, but it is able to work in an older system because of the backward compatibility work that we do. So there's both at the specification level, the industry is working to make sure those things are backward compatible. But then we do a lot of individualized testing that uh, customers do, and we do internally here at Intel, where we will take older devices and plug them into newer platforms and the same thing where we'll take some newer devices and plug them into older platforms to make sure that the specification is still robust and to make sure that our solutions that we're designing to are very robust. Again, the main purpose is to have the end customer have a good user experience, either an out-of-the-box experience or a long-term sustainability experience. We want our customers to be successful and we want our customers to not have to deal with a lot of customer calls or challenges in the long term by having devices out in the field that are healthy and both robust and support these industry standards. I think that the customers have a much better long-term experience. I also think that having our internal teams, the way we focus on interoperability, the way we focus on sustainability and the regression testing that we do is extremely helpful in making sure that those experiences continue to be successful over the long term. 
Well, you know, you certainly have proven that over the long term, our customers can count on us to deliver protocol stacks that they can depend on across their data centers. But let's talk a little bit about you. You've had an opportunity while at Intel to experience a bunch of different things. One of the things that I'm really most proud of to know you, just so that you're aware, is the work that you've done in Nepal and Africa. Can you talk a little bit about that? And you can talk about what it meant to you to do that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So Intel has a great program called the Intel Employee Service Corps. And the idea being that we look for opportunities around the world to say, where can these technologies benefit folks that may not normally have access to them? Think of schools or countries that have infrastructure challenges, things like that. So we have gone to a number of different places all over the world. Personally, I have been to Rwanda and Nepal. And the idea when we were going to those specific places was to look at some schools that are there, identify what infrastructure challenges they may have, resolve those challenges, and then supply them with computer equipment, either laptops or servers, Ethernet base stations, depending on what the need was, and then train the teachers themselves on how to use these technologies in their classroom. The goal was to bring some technology and some educational opportunities to folks who normally wouldn't necessarily have access to those kind of technologies. A great example is when we first went to Rwanda, it was an amazing experience to walk in there and see how they were doing these giant elaborate chalkboard drawings to try and show either the solar system or the internal workings of the human body, you know, all these different things these teachers would spend you know, six to eight hours in there drawing these amazing elaborate pictures so that students could get a better understanding of the information that she was trying to get across. However, it is a ton of extra time to develop these kind of drawings. And then, of course, if somebody accidentally erased something, then, of course, it all has to be redone. Providing computers into the classroom brought in both, you know, internet connections to where they could actually download information so they could have these pictures readily available was a huge time saver for them. It allowed them to not have to spend the time drawing those type of things, but it also allowed the kids the idea of seeing something in living color, things that could move, things that could rotate around, watching their eyes light up and see the the expressions on their faces and how excited they were to be able to even use something like this. One of my favorite memories from that trip that was most impactful to me is when we were just about done, we had spent about two weeks setting all of this up and teaching some of the high school students how to use the computers and then teaching their teachers how to use the computers in their classroom. And there was one little boy there that was probably about... I don't know, he must have been about six years old, and he was walking around with a piece of styrofoam in this funny shape that he had carved out. And I looked at that, and I said, what is that exactly that you have? And he says, it's my computer. And he had carved out a computer out of styrofoam. And I said, what are you doing with it? He says, I'm learning. And he was so proud of himself that he could learn from a computer, even though this one wasn't live. But the idea and the concept of having him understand how much information was at his fingertips in these computers was priceless to see these little kids as they get exposed to technology that we take for granted here in the Western world. That's certainly true, Michael. We do take it for granted. And I'm glad that there are people like you who go out of their way to go to places to extend 
the digital embrace and give people an opportunity to choose the careers or at least get exposure to technology as we've been fortunate enough to be exposed to in our career. Well, Michael, I want to thank you, first of all. You know, our listeners don't often get to hear about technology standards, and so it's nice to have an expert who is an expert in technology standards that just about everybody on the planet uses today. But can I get your final thoughts on where you see the industry going and what you're most excited about into the future? Oh my gosh, I think there's so much to be excited about with the speeds at which things are coming and the way that we're able to utilize these technologies. I think the world recently has been in kind of a challenged space, obviously with the uh, medical challenges that folks are having due to COVID and the type of social distancing that folks are having to get to. So I think I'm excited about the fact that technology is allowing us to bring people together even when they can't physically be there, but through either video conferencing or through even just internet phone calls that go around the world for free. Right. All of those pieces are amazing and helping people try and stay together during this challenge time. And I think we've had similar challenges even with some of our events that we're running here, our test events that we run. We've had to figure out ways to do this without customers being physically on site, which has been a challenge. But at the same time, it's a great opportunity to use some of these things by having video conferencing involved and allowing customers to see this is what we're doing with your platform. These are the test results we're seeing and be able to share that real time without having to have the challenges of having them physically in the same room with us during this COVID challenge that we've had. I think that it's a great opportunity to take these newer things like CXL, the accelerator options there to be able to make things go faster and make things easier for the industry and make the world just a better place. And, and I think if we can get better information sharing and allow customers to to create products that are exciting and helpful in this kind of need, I think there's nothing more beneficial in our mind that, that we can be doing. Well, it's hard to argue with that, Michael. It's always an honor to speak with you, always an honor to be with you and on the same team. On behalf of Michael Hall, Director of Technology and Ecosystem Enabling, my name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies. Wherever you may be in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night.